So the cancer had escaped or it was quiet, dormant, small yeah. already, you know, and in, in my body. But yeah, six months later, I had my diagnosis of metastatic cancer. And, and where did the where did it metastasize? To the liver, which okay. is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. And um, that was that was difficult. You are listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast, a place to grow, learn, and be inspired as you discover God's purpose for your life. Here's your host, the pastor you've always wanted without the church, Dr. Kumar Dixit. Well, welcome back to another episode of Concierge Minister. Hey, have you visited my website? You should. There's a really amazing photo of me, uh, conciergeminister.com. Check it out. I want to pray for you. I want to be able to support you in, in whatever you're doing. Uh, today, I am interviewing an old friend of mine that I've known for, for quite a few years. Clayton Fatosa is a pastor. When I left for Canada, he left for Egypt. When I came back to America, he came back the same year as well. So we've kind of had a lot of uh, similarities. And our boys were very good friends um, in grade school as well. So Clayton, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Glad to be with you, Kumar. So you've had this bout of cancer that's come and gone, and it's just been a a crazy ordeal for you. Tell me again a little bit about um, the first time you was diagnosed with cancer. All right, yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a long journey. It all started in 2011. I was 36 years old, and uh, we noticed, actually Delma noticed a lump in my leg. She noticed that the lump was growing. It was on my left thigh, and it was painless. It was just there. I had no idea what it was. But after a few months, you know, we we decided to check it out. So I went to my doctor. He ordered an MRI, and then he sent me on to a specialist, a sports specialist. So he asked me if I, you know, liked sports, if something had happened, if I had fall or something, but I couldn't recall anything. He ordered more exams, and then he sent me on to an oncologist. That's when I suspected something something was wrong, you know. Yeah, right. After a biopsy, cancer was detected. It was a, it's a, it was a rare cancer. It's a myxoid liposarcoma. I had never heard of sarcomas. And there are only 1% of all the cancers um, in the United States. Wow. Liposarcomas are subdivided into 70 categories and mine is one percent of one percent so it's kind of rare only a few thousand sarcoma patients in the united states every year so i went back to surgery because i had a open biopsy you go into surgery for biopsy because at first the doctors thought it was a benign tumor not Mm -hmm. cancer it was only during the biopsy that they suspected it was cancer. So when the results came back from biopsy, they said, yeah, it's cancer. So you need to have another surgery so we can get margins. Three, four weeks after the the biopsy, I had uh, the real surgery to remove everything plus margins. Okay. And this was December of 2011. So what does that do to your life when you're 36 years old, you have two little kids at home, a wife at home. I'm curious to know, like, do people just immediately see you now as a cancer patient or or a patient, or are they still able to see you 
as Clayton, the the person they once knew? At first, Kumar, it's it's scary. It's very scary. You think about your family. That at least to me, that was the first thing. You know, I I had two young kids, very young, and you think about their lives and growing up without a dad and leaving a wife behind and all of that. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. And you don't have control over anything. Mm. At least at first you think like that. But when you get the diagnosis, you're like, okay, what do I do now? And, and you just do whatever they tell you to do. And it's very frightening. And um, you don't know if you should share with everybody and, you know, how do you process this now? So you start sharing it with your immediate family and then I had to share this with colleagues. And so it, it goes and impacts every area of your life, little by little. And then you have to establish a plan because now you're immersed into a lot of new things, you know, yeah. surgery, treatment, lifestyle changes. I mean, it changes your, your whole life completely. You know? Yeah. Calendaring, mm -hmm. scheduling, Everything. Uh, driving, who's going to be your, your designated driver, which means that person mm -hmm. has to take time off. Right. I mean, it, it changes the whole equilibrium of the home. It does. And I thought I was, I was okay. You know, after surgery, I had radiation treatment for the leg. And then I had three years of no cancer. That's the time you moved out of the country, right? That's right. That's mm -hmm. after it was right after three years. And so during that time in Egypt, you were cancer free? No, <laughs> only in the beginning. Okay. That's when I received my first news of recurrence. And again, it was because I noticed lump again on the same site. Hmm. And I thought, okay, this thing is, is growing back. Did an MRI and they found a new tumor traveled to the States and uh, went into surgery again to remove the tumor and went back to Egypt. Two years later, had another recurrence. The cancer came back at the same site. They say it's only a, there's only a 5% chance that it would come exactly on the same spot. Usually spreads to other, other areas, but mine kept coming back on the same site. So what, what, what does that do to you, Clayton, like mentally, emotionally, when you all of a sudden notice that that bump has appeared again for the third time? You know, I like to say that it's one thing to hear the news that you have cancer, but it's something else to find out you had a recurrence. It's in my experience, at least it was like 10 times worse. Hmm. 10 times worse, because then after recurrence, especially after two recurrences, you realize that this thing is going to bring you down. You know, mm. you're not going to bid this like you thought you, mm -hmm. you could. When you, when you know you have cancer and then surgery and treatments take care of it for a while, you think, okay, thank God it's gone, it's over. You're cancer-free. Yeah. You hear the words, oh, you're cancer-free now. Yeah. But then recurrence well you're not cancer free and you treat it again and then the cancer is back you, you start to think it's here to stay and so i need to prepare my life i need to prepare my family and all those thoughts of again it's a terminal disease yeah you know as you're saying that i was thinking about kind of one of these like you know 1980s action films where you know the good guy finally slays the bad guy and you're mm -hmm. like so relieved, you're so excited. And then somewhere in like the background, 
you kind of see the bad guy's finger kind of just moving a little bit. You're like, oh no, oh no. And the good guy is like, you know, just excited and reveling in the victory and his back is turned to the bad guy and he doesn't see the bad guy getting back up. You know, as you're describing that to me, that's what I'm kind of thinking about is like you worked so hard and emotionally invested in getting rid of the cancer. And then to see it kind of just emerging again, it must be just dumbfounding. It's devastating. It's like a dark cloud on top of your head that will never leave you. Mm. It's there. You know, it's there. It's it's a shadow. It, it's there. It's always after you. No matter what happens, surgeries, treatments, it's, you know, you may have to learn how to live with it. Mm. It's a constant battle. It's not like a, a one point in life when, okay, I had this horrible thing that happened, but it's in the past. Yeah. Now you see that as part of your journey. Yeah. yeah. With you. So the cancer is with you you've kind of i want to say embraced but you've accepted that yeah. you have cancer kind of just tell us what happened when you came back to america and kind of just fill in those blanks of, of okay. um, kind of the aggressive treatment that you had yeah sure after 2017 the surgery i just mentioned which was like the fourth surgery you know one for biopsy and three surgeries to remove the cancer my doctor told me that if I had another recurrence. There was nothing else they could do to save my leg. So if the cancer comes comes back, you have to have an amputation. So that's when we decided to come back to the United States because it would it would be extremely hard to deal with that in Egypt. We came back, and sure enough, three months later, they found cancer again. Mm. Um, In the same spot? Yeah, but that that time was more spread okay there were several points mm-hmm. so the cancer was really getting worse in the lag and um so i had i had months to process this i knew now i had to had an amputation and the amputation had to be high above the knee which is mm. a difficult amputation to have um so i began to prepare mentally physically emotionally spiritually to have an amputation and which is a life-changing procedure you know yes drastic and anyway um six months later i had the amputation this was april of 2018 Mm. and um it was it was tough (laughs) yeah it was very difficult so i I was dealing with two things now, you know, had the cancer and the amputation. But then I thought, okay, with the amputation, the cancer is gone, right? That's why you have the amputation, right? To get rid of the cancer. So good news. You deal with new life now without a leg, but the cancer is behind. So I thought until six months later when I got the news that um, I had uh, my first metastasis. So the cancer had escaped or it was quiet, dormant, small already, you know, in in my body. But yeah, six months later, um, I had my uh, diagnosis of metastatic cancer. 
And, and where did it where did it metastasize? To the liver, which yeah. is really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really bad. And um, yeah, that was that was difficult. And this was in 2018. So you lose your leg. You're like, finally, I've gotten rid of this problem. You know, this is where the cancer has been living. And 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 I and I know the journey. I, I don't know if you remember this, Clayton, but you and I were sitting um, at a at a ski lodge together, uh, December two thousand seventeen. I think um, we were drinking hot chocolate and watching our boys going down the down the ski slopes and having a conversation about what was coming with the amputation. Mm. And um, I mean, it was a, a huge journey because you had the amputation and then you had to wait for a very long time to even get a new leg fitted. That's right. Um, two years you, on crutches. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah being on crutches for two years. And I remember being really feeling terrible for myself because you were this like jerk who had this leg missing and you were doing like one leg uh, knee bends to strengthen your legs. Uh, and I remember thinking, okay, if Clayton is exercising and doing one leg lunges, surely Kumar, you need to get up and do something, right? So, um, so yeah, you have this whammy and it's metastasized, and and now you've kind of, I've heard kind of a little bit of a change in how you describe cancer because you now kind of just say it's with you. You kind of assume it's just going to always be with you in some ways. Is that how you still feel? Yes, well, that's reality. You know, I, I'm not afraid to say um, what's happening. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, they prefer to hide. And in this country, you know, you know, your medical history is extremely private. And I'm not disputing mm -hmm. that. I'm just saying um, I use my story to help people. Mm -hmm. I've decided to use my story as a blessing to others. Um so yeah, I'm not not hiding the fact that I'm I have the cancer with me and the metastasis is here. It, I have more metastasis, you know, it has gone to the lung. I've um there's cancer everywhere. And it's uh it's a journey, you know, and it, I'm not as scared anymore. Mm. Um all the feelings that I used to have that I think it's normal and everybody goes through it. Um, and the dark cloud, uh, you know, it's always above me. They have different, different impact on me at this point. And so, yes, I'm, I'm dealing with cancer. Um, and today I can, I can think, I can say, I think the cancer was always with me, you know, even in the beginning when I thought I was cancer free for three years, it, it's just that, it takes time to grow mm. and to show and, you know, for tests, you know, exams to review that you have cancer. But I think it, the cancer has always been here. Um, so, yeah, my journey for the last 10 years, it's been with cancer. And Are you in any pain? Journey. Go are ahead. You, are you in any pain? No. Sometimes uh, I have pain, but from the amputation, the phantom pain. Okay. So, so there's now, phantom pain, like cancer. kind of that nerve tingling that yes. 
amputees kind of have. Exactly. Yeah. Every amputee has those kinds of feelings and pains. But that's interesting, you know, Kumo. I don't, I don't know why, and I don't know how to explain this. Mm-hmm. But I've never had any symptom from mm-hmm. my cancer and no pain. I just don't know why, don't know how. I'm just thankful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it may it may not be like this forever. Yeah. But not at this point. Um, I don't have any pain. So you know I work um in hospice and palliative care and um I I work um in particular with um cancer patients, stage mm. three, stage four cancer patients who are in palliative or hospice care. And um I you never such you should never say you have a favorite patient, but I do have some favorite patients. And and one of my patients, um, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I asked her, you know, are you are you afraid of dying? And she said, no. She said, I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. You know, and I thought that was really you know interesting because even if you embrace the fact that you are going to die at some point from your disease progression doesn't mean that you have to allow yourself to want to embrace the death you You're know right. and, and so my my question for you is you know how do you you've been given just bad news after bad news after bad news like most of us in our life get bad news like we were rear-ended in a car accident you know mm-hmm. um we were um our, our identity was stolen and and you're now it's a pain to have to like go through all those steps to reclaim your you know our, our identity um our kids have an addiction problem and you know you had mm-hmm. to go and help them with that and those are kind of you know those are definitely stressors but you have been given the same whammy over and over and over again. Um, what what does that do to you? Like, how do you how do you handle bad news, Clayton? I mean, how do you how do you deal with it um, physically and emotionally? I don't think there's any anything apart from my cancer now that would be. Well, no, let me say this again. Okay, this is something you need to edit because mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you have cancer, th- that's your bad news. Oh. That's the news you deal with, you deal with every day. Um, and, and I'm grateful that nothing worse than that has happened to me. And it could, you know, you your children get cancer or, or they get killed in a car accident or something. Yeah, there's a lot of things worse than cancer. But I'm grateful that um, apart from cancer, everything else looks good. You know, I have a good family. uh, Job is fulfilling. Everything else is fine. So the only thing apart from my cancer, and the only thing I have to do is with amputation and and the cancer but of course the cancer is 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 the main thing here because it has the potential to take my life at any point how do you deal with bad news how do i deal with the cancer i take one day at a time that that's how i i deal with it i used to plan ahead of time be visionary and always my personality you know always think like five ten years from today 
<laughs> it doesn't work anymore. Mm. I don't have tomorrow. I, I don't have next year. And, and this is a, a constant thing in my house here. We had a trip, a family trip in July to Turkey, the whole family. And I, in January, I'm, I'm going through treatment and I'm thinking, I'm not going to be ready for this trip in July. I can't buy the tickets. You know, it's mm. like I can't plan my life three, four months down the road because I never know. And I get checked every three months. Yeah. I never know what's going to come up in three months and do I plan this? Do I plan that? That's extremely hard. You know, mm -hmm. my son graduated from high school last year in Brazil. And I was thinking, will I be healthy enough to go? And so I am constantly dealing with this. And so I process things one day at a time. That's how I deal with bad news. Mm -hmm. I have today, today I'm feeling great. I went to the gym this morning, drank my juices, no pain. Thank God I have today. Yeah. Will I have tomorrow? I don't know. I'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Yeah, I'm I'm heavily influenced by Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. Um, he he is, you know, very much describing what you're talking about, and that mm -hmm. is um, you can only control today. You, you can't right. control what happened yesterday. You can't control what happened 20 years ago. You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. So how are you going to identify your day today and make use of today instead of, and I think it's very much, you know, in the, in, in line with what Jesus says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, right? It's, right. it's, it's very much the, uh, the fact that you feel good today. You woke up good today. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to have a great day because that's the only thing you can be in charge of is the presence of now. Right. right. And I, and I love that you're, you're able to, to do that. Um, you, you grew up in a pastor's family. You've grown up in ministry your whole life. You're, you know, you're, you've been a, a pastor, a church administrator. Um, I, I know everyone assumes that you're going to only say positive things about your faith in God, you know, oh, you know, he's a pastor, but really, I mean, what have, have you had those moments of shakiness with God? Have you had those frustrations with God? I mean, tell me about Absolutely. that. Especially because I know God mm. when you don't, yeah, you don't know what to think about or, or to ask or not to ask, but I know him. I know him personally. And so for many years, I, I talked to God. I said, God, you have the power to heal me. Mm. You have the power to heal my leg. And especially as I was approaching the, the date for my imputation, you know, I had those thoughts about instant healing, you know, the miracles that everybody was praying about. I said, yes, he can do it. Yeah. He's done it before. Just like this. And it didn't happen. It hasn't happened. You know, mm -hmm. 10 years praying for a miracle for, for a specific miracle because I've, I've experienced a lot of other miracles. So mm -hmm. it's not like I've been without miracles for 10 years. No, I've, I've seen a lot of other miracles. But, you know, the miracle of complete healing. And, and so because I know God, um, I, I've had a lot of conversations with him about this. In fact, we talk about it every day. Yeah. Every day, every time I'm doing something to help strengthen my body to fight the cancer, I'm talking to God. I said, God, I need your help. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part. 
it's not a bargain, but you've asked me to, to live healthy, to do my part, to put my body in the best position to fight this, and I'm, I'm doing it. Please help me. It's, you know, mm. it's, it's a partnership mm. with God. And so, yes, I had my moments with God, and I still do, but it's, it's different now. Mm. It's different, you know. It's like it's like a kid who doesn't understand life and parenthood because he's a kid, he's young, he's getting yes and no's as he grows up. And but as he grows, you know, he begins to understand better life, how get to know the parents better, see the big picture and all that. It's it's that process that I have experienced with God. Mm. It's a journey. It's been 10 years. So I'm not the Clayton and the pastor of 10 years ago. I mm. I deal with the whole thing in a completely different way today, you know, mm. and, um, and God and I, we're still good friends. You're listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast. Coming up. Kumar, you wake up every morning thinking about death. Mm. It, you can help it. it yeah. It's there. And you learn how to deal with it. That's amazing. That really is. I, I, I love that. And I love the, how you said, I know God. And so you because you already have that existing relationship with him, you know how to kind of navigate that relationship. Right. And I really don't know how people deal with what I have to deal with without God. I really don't. Yeah. It, it it must be extremely painful, um, extremely hard. Mm. So, so I, I have as a mission to to share with as, as many people as possible that if you're going through something painful in your life, whether cancer or something else, God is a great helper. Mm. He is a great helper. He wow. makes a lot of difference to be with him in when you're in trouble. Wow, that's awesome. Tell, tell me, just recently, um, if I remember right, you just went through a, a bout of, of radiation, and then you made a huge kind of lifestyle change. Um, tell me, tell me what happened and, and what and what you did. Yeah, about this time last year, we found another another lump, and I had to go into treatment right away. It was in my lung, and um, so I had radiation for my lung and radiation for liver, radiation for my back. It was like three sets of radiation, radiation treatment. And um, it warns you, it's it's just, if you have one, it's bad enough. Three, I was, I, I was miserable at the end of, of all three. And I couldn't wait, you know, several months to do the other one. It was just, I had to do it back to back like that. So in March, I was um, in need of something to pick me up. You know, I was. Um, I usually deal well with treatments, but the accumulative effect was yeah. it was bad this time, and lack of energy, nauseated. Uh, my defenses were way down, and I thought, okay, I need to do something drastic here. Mm. And I always watch, you know, my diet and my lifestyle, everything, because I've been dealing with this for many years. So 
um, I'm very careful about a number of things. And but I thought I I realized I needed I needed something even more drastic, more a change that would really give him the best chance to to rebound quickly. So I decided to do a detox, uh, a fast, a juice fast for a prolonged period of time. Mm. And remember, I had a trip back in July. So I'm thinking this is March. If I want to go on this trip, I need to be well. Yeah. And so on April 24, I ate my last meal. Mm. And I fast till June 16. Wow. I only drank juices, water, tea, coconut water, and vegetable juice and smoothies. No solid food for 56 days. 56 days. Wow. And you're you're already a, a very slim guy. Yes. <laughs> That was one of my concerns. Yeah. That was actually my main concern. I, you know, I've I've heard of other people and I had a, a good friend who had done it a couple of times. And I talked to her, I said, I I can't lose weight. I know I will, but it has to be only a few pounds. It can't be the 20, 25 pounds, 30 pounds that most yeah. people who who go through this, you know, experience it. And so I had to tweak a little bit. I included a cream, like a soup at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It was liquid. Um, I just add that to the routine so I could have more calories. It was like I would bake, I would cook a potato or lentils, no salt, no seasoning, nothing, and blend that with an onion, raw onion and garlic just to give some flavor. And use a spoon just to give me the the feeling of <laughs> I'm eating something, but I could actually drink that stuff. It was liquid. Yeah. But um, yeah, I added that and a lot of nuts, one avocado every day, you know, because mm -hmm. I made it fat, but everything in liquid form, just wow, just drinking things for that long. And and why why did you do that? Well, number one, I needed to give my body a rest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when we eat, we eat too much. We eat more, all of us, we eat way more than we need. Mm -hmm. So your body is um, in the digestive mode all day long. And you need energy. You need blood supply. You need every everything. Your body is focused on that. And I needed to recover quickly and focus on other parts of the body and so by going on a fast, it gives you that. The yeah. body says, okay, all right, no food now. Or if it's on, you know, a juice, liquid form, 15 minutes, it's it's done. It's in your system and your body can rest. Yeah. And so I wanted that for a prolonged period of time. And it works. It's amazing mm -hmm. how it works. So mm -hmm. to give my body a rest also to make an improvement on my lifestyle so i wanted to go extreme so when i finished that i could make one or two steps back but still be 
way ahead of where I was back in March. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, these were the two main purpose for it. And what kind of difference did you feel like just to get kind of re reset your body? It's amazing what it does for you. You know, after two weeks, I was already feeling a lot better. Mm. The nausea had gone, no reflux, no heartburns. I was having, I was having a lot of that. Everything just stopped, disappeared. I was sleeping well. You know, I had a back pain that was with me for many years because of the amputation, you know, like four years. It disappeared. Really? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's, it's inflammation. All the inflammation in the body just just disappears. So no, no back pains anymore. I'm sleeping a lot better, a lot better. And I'm feeling energized. And so two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and I'm feeling better and better. And I'm enjoying my time. And it's amazing. And, and the most important change happened here. Mm. You know, when you're a cancer patient like myself, and I talked about this dark cloud on top of my head, Kumar, you wake up every morning thinking about death. Mm. It, you can help it. it yeah. It's there. And you learn how to deal with it. And you have to learn how to not let that thought uh, impact you for the things you have to do today and how to enjoy life and all, but it's there. Mm -hmm. The first time in many years after I started this juicing, this fasting, I began to think differently. I would wake up and think about life mm. and think about, I can bid this, you know, or I can live many more years, you know, with this cancer, but keep it dormant or small or whatever, let it grow very slowly. But, if I adjust my diet, my lifestyle, if I keep eating just fruits and vegetables and nuts and, you know, what God has asked us to eat and and remove everything processed and sugar and everything from my life, maybe I could extend my life a little longer. Mm. And that gives you so much fuel, you know, power and energy for life. And I'm And I'm waking up every morning like, feeling empowered to live mm. you know that's amazing it's hard to describe but it was yeah. the most amazing feeling um i've ever had i i know you did it for 56 days but you're doing some kind of variation of that still isn't that right yeah i had to i, I wanted to do 60 days but then i had the trip to turkey so i stopped the day before we left okay and when i came back um I made adjustments. So what I'm doing now is um, I still keep the juicing. I've been juicing for 80 years on and off, but I am very faithful now with the green juices, the vegetable juices, the smoothies. I'm not doing it every hour as I was doing it before. I'm including that in my diet and I begin to eat again, the vegetables and the fruits. Yeah. So I'm only eating vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds but I'm eating them and also juicing so I can overload my, my system with nutrients. I, I have a secret to tell you. Um, mm. 
I, uh, you, you and I had lunch with our boys a few weeks ago and, yes. um, while we were eating, you know, you ordered, you know, all vegetables. <laughs> I was, that's where we were kind of talking about, you know, your, your, your diet. And right around that time, I think I told you I had just finished reading the book of Daniel and I was like, oh yeah, the Daniel diet, you know, what a cute little like thing people do. And I was like, maybe I should try that, you know, just for 10 days, right? So after I ate lunch with you, I was even more kind of motivated. So I have been for the last 15 days eating only fruits and vegetables. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. and, and shakes, you know, I'm, 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 I'm blending stuff into, you know, smoothies and stuff. Okay. And, you know, the very first day, oh my gosh, I was that I was going to die, Clayton. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to survive. And since day two, I've been fine. I haven't felt a hunger pang. I have been fine. And the one thing, and you know, there's three things. One, I've always been heavy. I've always carried extra weight. I love food. It's a coping mechanism for me. I'm addicted to sugar. So I am always finding ways to like get sugar in my system. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't had any kind of feeling craving. that I, yeah, yeah. Any kind of craving or, you know, need, feeling like I need it. But I've been very aware of how clear my mind has been. Amazing. Um, it yes. really is. I mean, there that that brain fog that we all have is hardly there whatsoever you know so how many days today for you? 15 today's day 15. all right i'll tell you a secret then today. yeah tell me you know, after 50 plus days yeah i i knew i was going to break the fast and i thought could i go longer with this like three months four months and the feeling i had back then was like yeah absolutely i'm adjusted to this if i had it if i had to do it for another two months i could do it so you know, I think you, you, you're going through that same process of, you know, this is not impossible. Yes. If anyone can do it. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, I was going to do it for 10 days and see how it went. After 10 days, I was like, ah, let's go for another 10 days, <laughs> you know. So, um, so yeah, it's made a, a huge difference, I can, I can tell. Even with just the medications that I was on, making a huge difference, you know. So, so thank you for inspiring me. Oh, you're welcome. And by the way, I only lost four pounds during the, the 50 plus days. Okay. I lost more pounds after I began to eat again, because then I was eating only two times a day and not right. drinking a lot. So right. that's when I, I began to lose more weight. So I've adjusted that. Okay. But yeah, for those who wanted to lose weight, you do it. And, and I wasn't hungry throughout yeah. the whole period because I yeah. was being fed. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. So, Clayton, here we are. You're living with cancer. You're practicing your faith. When you wake up in the morning, what what is the one or two things that you want to accomplish by the end of the day? I want to live that day well, as if it was my last day. And I have that awareness more so than most of you. And that's, by the way, it's the difference between me and you, Kumar, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we're all dying, mm -hmm. we're all dying, but I'm more aware of it. So I want to live my day in a way that honors God and blesses those around me. I know I am living 
in borrowed time. I was supposed to be dead a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Liver metastasis is a, a two-year thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going four years now. So, And I don't think about the time anymore because sure. that's in God's hand. But I'm very aware that if God allows me to wake up in the morning, it's because it has a purpose for me. If I'm still here, he has a purpose for me. And that's true for everybody, everyone who is listening to this podcast. If you're alive, if you're listening, you have a purpose in life. Mm. And I think the number one purpose is to be a blessing to this world, mm. to be a blessing to other people. And everyone has a journey. We're on a journey, different things, different contexts in life, different faith, no faith. It doesn't matter. You can be a blessing to the world and you can be a blessing to those around you. So that's what I think when I'm when I wake up in the morning. I want to live this day in a way that honors God, that I'm happy at the end of the day with the things I accomplished. I want to be a blessing to my wife, to my kids, to you, Kumar, to anyone I come in contact with today. Because that's what I believe is the ultimate purpose in life is to bless people around us. Wow, that's deep. Because if you're if you're in a position where you want to give people a blessing, then it helps you to be less selfish and demanding of others to make you feel better. And so you now have a posture of giving, which ultimately, as we know, you know, as followers of, of Christ, ultimately is like a boomerang and it just comes back mm -hmm. to you as well, right? Yes. Thank you so much for sharing, Clayton. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I want to pray for you. Um, you. And then I want to ask you, because I know that there's um, multiple cancer patients that um, listen to my podcast. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you if you'll specifically pray for anybody who's going through a life-limiting terminal disease, if that's okay. I'll be happy so, to. Then let me pray for you first. God, thank you so much for bringing Clayton into my life. Thank you for his faith, for his brotherhood, for his support of me and my ministry over, this, over the years. And God, as he has been um, walking this uh, in the shadow of death for over 10 years, um, you have sustained him and you have, have brought him through even in the darkness. And I, that is my personal prayer, God, to be selfish and to just ask for, for Clayton to be healed of his cancer, Amen. to be able to, to be able to just know that you're a God that um, will, will deliver him and that will extend his days over and over and over again, God. May he feel your blessing. May he be a blessing to his wife and children. And may he know that you are a God that will never give up on him. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another opportunity to share my story, the story that you and I are writing together. And I want to praise you for everyone who is um, listening to this podcast. And as Kumar mentioned, many of them may have... Um, maybe going through the same things that I'm going through, Lord. And I just pray that you will bless them um, individually, that you will bring hope into their hearts, the same hope that you have blessed me with. And I pray that they will uh, look up to you, Lord, and, and pray and open their hearts to you, because I know how important that journey has been for me 
to to go through this with you and this is what i desire for everyone who has the same diagnosis that i that i have and so lord i pray that every person who has cancer who is listening to my voice right now that they will open their hearts to jesus to you and experience the peace and the hope that i do have every day for knowing you so bless them lord bless their families and guide their journeys for i pray in your name amen amen clayton thank you you're welcome thanks for listening to the concierge minister podcast if you want to learn more about growing in your faith or looking for an online faith community for support while you're on your journey, please visit concierge or send us an email at concierge at gmail.com. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you find this podcast helpful, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, go and live your best life.